No, uh, we have been praying for Grant Jansen, who is the, the son of Dr. Dwayne and Carol Jansen, and he has been in quite a fight with lymphoma. Well, he had his 100-day checkup this week, and, and I got word on Friday that it came back uh, cancer-free. So that is an answer to prayer. Yes. Um, so now just uh, continued prayer for, for strength for Grant. He has begun returning to work uh, a half a day a week and uh, just beginning the, the process of just trying to resume his, uh, his normal medical practice. So just continue uh, thanking God for uh, his healing uh, of Grant uh, up to this point and prayer for his continued strength. Um, additionally, uh, I mentioned that uh, part of our Vacation Bible School this week, Forgotten Ministries, is going to be bringing in uh, a group uh, of kids. And uh, in talking with, with Jeremiah, he said, uh, man, we are happy to, to bust these kids over to you guys, but they're going to have a real need. They're going to have a need for, uh, for a dinner um, when they come in. And so our, uh, the ladies who are cooking meals for our volunteers said, hey, we would be happy uh, to be able to uh, put out extra food for these kids coming in. Here's what we need. We need uh, some people who would be willing to step up and help provide just a donation to help cover uh, the, uh, the need for these kids for meals. Uh, that we are, are looking uh, at needing um, about... Uh, $350 uh, just to cover all of the uh, the money for the meals for those kids. So if you wanted just to uh, give a, an additional donation to help feed uh, kids from Forgotten Ministries that are going to be coming in, this is a way just that uh, they come in, they have a, a full belly. That's going to help open their ears uh, to the truth of the gospel this week. Uh, as we go to uh, our time in God's word, would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 24, and if you did not bring a Bible with you this morning, there are Bibles available in the chairs in front of you. You can follow along with us on page 978, page 978, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, wives. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Last week, we introduced this section on... Paul's instruction to wives and husbands by, by looking at the bigger picture of, of marriage. And how is it that, that the Bible teaches us that, that God has created marriage to be? 
the uniqueness of covenant marriage. And uh, if you weren't able to hear the message last week, it's on our website. I just offered to you as, as a resource uh, for you, maybe for yourself or even to pass on to somebody else who has, has questions about marriage. But to summarize what we saw last week, I just wanted to read to you from our church's confession of faith. In Article 11 of our Confession of Faith, it says, Marriage is a covenant relationship intended to unite a man and a woman for life. At creation, God designed marriage for companionship, sexual union, and the birth and nurture of children. Sexual intimacy rightly takes place only within marriage. Marriage is to be characterized by mutual love, faithfulness, and submission. A believer should not marry an unbeliever. Now, in in working this out, there is a part to be played, a part to be played by the wives and a part to be played by the husbands. And next week, we're going to be looking at the role that God has created for husbands in marriage. Today, in order of the text, we look at what is the role that God has created for wives. Now, Often when we come to the, the subject of, of the role of the wife in marriage and, and the subject of, of submission, there is this perception that, uh, that the idea of, of submission in just out in the world is that you have the husband who kicks back in his recliner and he says, honey, bring me my chips. And then the Christian view of submission is the husband kicking back in his recliner and saying, honey, bring me my chips, and then let's pray. That there is this idea that, that submission, uh, as it's taught in the Bible, is, is really no different than just giving boorish husbands this thin veneer of spirituality uh, to put on their self-centeredness. The Bible has a much more beautiful, stable picture of submission than simply that contact paper veneer over a particle board piece of furniture. That what God has has created in his view of submission is something that is stable and sure and beautiful. And here is why it is absolutely crucial that we get this right as a church. I was uh, visiting with a woman who shared her horrific story with me that she had gotten a house and her boyfriend had moved in with her and then one night he became violent and he began beating her. To make the situation worse, he started pumping drugs into her system so that she would remain conscious and alert throughout the beating. Left her for dead. A neighbor called 911. When the EMTs arrived, they thought she was dead. God miraculously spared her life. And he's now working to put the pieces back together. But as I heard her story, I said, man... This is why we have to get it right. We have to get it right for for women like this that that they can be equipped to avoid abusive relationships. That the church has to get this right so that when women find themselves in abusive relationships, they have a place 
where they can go, where they can find protection and where they can find help. That the church has to get this right so that we give the picture of marriage the way God designed it to be and the way God is redeeming it to be. So the way that we get this right is by looking at submission as it's transformed by the gospel. So I want to look at this morning submission as it's defined by the gospel and then submission demonstrated by the gospel and then conclude by just talking about the submission that's beautified by the gospel. First of all, the submission that's defined by the gospel. If we look at verse 22, it, the, the instruction is, is very simple. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Without a doubt, this word submission is viewed negatively by our culture. That the sport of mixed martial arts has a whole category of moves that are called submission holds. And the whole point of a submission hold is, is to exert force onto your opponent, to bring your opponent under your control, to exert dominance over your opponent. So this idea of, of submission is so often associated with, with force and, and dominance in our culture. And it Really, uh, in the ancient world, the, the idea of, of submission was assumed and, and really wasn't too far off of, of this modern idea either. That, that the word submission that uh, occurs here, the word submit, it was used in military contexts for soldiers submitting to their commanding officer that uh, the ancient uh, philosophers, Aristotle and other thinkers, when, when they wrote about family relationships and societal relationships, they, they said that, that in order for a society to be just and free and prosperous, there needs to be an order of submission. And so just as the government uh, provides uh, the, the order for a society, so there needs to be an order in the family, and wives need to submit to their husbands. This would have been the normal cultural expectation of this time. But when Paul writes about submission, he actually is taking the, the view that of submission that is not the cultural expectation, but is being enhanced and transformed by the gospel. And in order to see this, we have to pay attention to what Paul is saying in context. First of all, our English translations are trying to make it easy for us to, to follow along. And so verse 22 says, wives, submit to your own husbands. But in the original language, the word submit isn't there. Instead, grammatically, it's pointing us back to verse 21. This is where the, the command to submit appears, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. But if you notice, even here, that it's, it's pointing us back further in the text. It's pointing us back further in the text to verse 18, where it says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. 
This is where biblical submission begins. And so I want to give you a definition for biblical submission and then just walk you through the text so that you can see this is how the gospel transforms submission. The biblical definition of submission is that it is a spirit-empowered, free, and active, loving support of a husband's leadership as an act of worship to God. That's a big mouthful. I'm going to say it again, but then I'm just going to walk through it piece by piece. It's a spirit-empowered, free, active, and loving support of a husband's leadership as an act of worship to God. We start here in verse 18 to see that it is spirit-empowered. The submission of a wife to a husband is the fruit of her being filled with the spirit What this means is that, that as, as a wife submits in relationship to her husband, she is not doing this in her own strength. She is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this gives us, first of all, a, a picture of submission that says submission is not weak. Submission is powerful. That biblical submission is a powerful submission. Secondly, biblical submission is free. Biblical submission is free. This is not a contradiction in terms. If we just pay attention to what it's saying in verse 22, the command says, wives, submit to your husbands. The expectation in the world is that that submission is something that's coerced, that one has to make another submit, that there's a dominance there. And yet, that's not presented here at all. Instead, the instruction is given to the wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's a free act that the wife offers to her husband. That this is a command that's given not to husbands. Not husbands, make your wives submit to you. It's a command that's given to the wives. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. It's a free choice. See, the, the, the idea of uh, the biblical submission is, is not restrictive. Biblical submission is liberating. It's free. Thirdly, biblical submission is active. It's not passive, it's active. The, the verb submit here in verse, uh, in verse 21 that's, that's applied in verse 22 you see, Paul is, is saying submitting to one another, and now he applies it, wives to husbands. It's, it's an action that the wife is taking. She is active in the process. She's not passive. You know, the, a wife is to be active in supporting her husband's leadership. It, it's not about just uh, staying in the kitchen and keeping her mouth closed. It's about being active in the relationship. The, there's, there's plenty of husbands that, like, say when it comes to the area of finances, there's plenty of husbands that are just not financially savvy. Their wives are more financially savvy than they are. And, and this is a time where if a husband knows what's good for him, he's going to let his wife be active in giving him good information to make good financial decisions. That, that a, a wife in submission to her husband is active in helping her husband to do what's best for the relationship, to do what's best for the marriage, to do what's best for the family. See, the biblical submission does not make women passive. Instead, it, it makes them active. And then, biblical submission is loving. 
Biblical submission is, is not about a wife simply doing a duty to her husband. It's about a wife expressing love for her husband. I think it's implied here in the context when we look at the relationships that come out of being filled with the Spirit and the relationship of Christ in the church. But let me let you hear it explicitly. In Titus 2, Paul is saying the older women should, should lead the younger women. Here's how the older women should instruct the younger women. Titus 2 verses 4 and 5, train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. Do you see how Paul bookends the relationship of wives and husbands? He said, wives, teach the wives to love their husbands, teach the wives to be submissive to their husbands. That submission is an act of love. That God is calling wives to submit to their husbands, not to, to take the passion out of the relationship, but to fuel it. Now, these qualities of spirit-filled and free and active and loving, all of these are to the aim of supporting the husband's leadership. And we're going to be looking at, at how a husband is to lead next week. Right now, we're saying this is, is how the, the wife is, is to come along and, and to provide support for her husband's leadership. But let's note something in this whole section from verses 22 through 33. The one word that you're not going to find is the word authority. Nowhere is a husband told to exercise authority over his wife. That what we see here is that, that a wife is to be active in, under the filling of the Spirit to submit herself to her husband's leadership. But that's not ultimate. A wife's ultimate purpose is not to submit herself to her husband. A wife's ultimate purpose is her relationship with the Lord. And that's why verse 22 says, as to the Lord. This is simply echoing the end of verse 21 that says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The, the, what is called here uh, of a wife is that her act of submission is not ultimately offered to her husband. Her act of submission is ultimately offered to the Lord as an act of worship. The, the, you know, when, when you look in, in Scripture at those things that are offered to the Lord. The most precious, most valuable gifts are those that are offered to God. That, that the best sacrifices were always the ones that were reserved for the Lord. The best animals were reserved for the Lord. That what is, what is being called here is, is not for a devaluing of women. Instead, it's, it's raising them up. It's, it's dignifying them. Because what is being called for in a biblical submission is an act of worship to God. So the fact that this instruction, it, it's bookended by the spirit empowerment and it's bookended on the other end by an act of worship to God. This, this means that, that this is the transformation of the gospel in this, this whole act of submission. This work of submission from a wife to a husband is the product of of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now there's a, there's a purpose for this. See, you, you might be, a, a wife might say, well, well why? Why has, is, it, is it this way? Why is the call for the wife to submit to the husband? And 
And God's going to answer that for us. There's, this is the, the submission that's demonstrated by the gospel. The submission demonstrated by the gospel. We see in, in verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Um, Paul's giving us, this is the reason for this instruction. Why would God call wives to submit to their husbands? It's because there, there is a, a beautiful order that God has established. And in this order, the husband is the head of the wife. If we had time, we could look at other places in Scripture and we could see that this was God's original design in creation. But, but here, Paul is, is elevating our thoughts. That Paul is not looking simply at the first creation. He's looking at the new creation. That, the, that just as the, the husband is, is the head of the wife, Christ is the head of the church. That's what verse uh, 23 is saying. Christ is the head of the church, his body. What, what biblical submission is intended to do It's intended to show this one flesh interdependence that's been designed by God. You know, in in the garden, God said when he brought the the man and the woman together, he said the two will become one flesh. That biblical submission is a way of actually showing how this plays out. That there is this interdependence. If, If the husband is the head, he must have the body. That, that the head needs the body for, uh, for there to be the, uh, the, the filling of the head, for, so that the directions of the head can be carried out, that, that the head is, uh, needs the body in order to complete its role. But then, then the body is, is dependent upon the head as well, that the body is not independent of the head. That, that the body needs the head for, for direction and for nourishment. When we understand what, what is being taught here, there, there's no place for there to be any kind of devaluing uh, of women. You notice what isn't said here. What is not said here is that the husband is the head because he is genetically superior. The husband is the head because he's physically superior. Or the husband is the head because he has some other innate qualities that make him superior. You know, the, the, we have, have this false idea in, in our culture that, that if one uh, person is, is the head, then that person must have greater value or worth. And, and that is just the furthest thing from the biblical picture theologian John Yoder made this observation. He said, equality of worth is not an identity of role. Now, Paul is is particularly trying to drive home the point of of the nature of, of this relationship. When he says in verse 23 that Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Paul is, is trying to send a, a, a message to husbands that he's going to make clear uh, as he gets down in, into the direction to them. He's trying to make it clear, how is it that Christ became head of the church? Christ didn't become head of the church by exerting force or dominance or, or placing demands on the church. That Christ became head of the church through a self-sacrificial act of love. Through his self-sacrificial death, God 
exalted Christ and, and gave Christ the position as, as head of the church. Now, there isn't an exact parallel here between the husband-wife relationship and the Christ-church relationship. That, that a husband is not the savior of the wife. And, and actually, in, in the original Greek here, there's a transition in verse 23 to verse 24 that the word is but, and it's a very strong word that, that presents a contrast. Husbands do not save their wives in the way that Christ saved the church. Yet there is an analogy, there is a parallel that, that the church now is presenting a model for the wife to follow in, in her relationship to her husband. Verse 24, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And it's the church that now provides the model. How is it that a wife is to live in relationship to her husband? She should pay attention to the church. How does the church submit to Christ? And I think that, that this would be a, an excellent study for, for wives to, to go back into the, the letter to the Ephesians, especially Ephesians 1 to 3. What's the relationship of Christ in the church? How does, how does the, the church act in relationship to Christ? Because this is going to give a wife direction of this is what God's intent is for me. That the church is now giving me a model that I could follow in my relationship with my husband. This is a, how a wife now is able to demonstrate the submission that the gospel creates. I want to close, conclude with the submission that's beautified by the gospel. There's a submission that's beautified by the gospel. In verse 24, it says, As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. This is not carte blanche permission for husbands to make any demands that they want on their wives. There's enough other places in Scripture that says that allegiance to God is far more important than allegiance to, to any one uh, person. That there, this is not a call that, that, that wives must follow their husbands into sin by any means. Instead, this is a call for there to be a totality of the relationship. That there is no part of your marriage relationship where the wife is not called to be in submission the husband. There is no area of a marriage where there should not be complete unity. I see that this is intended by God to display the beauty of Christ. I want to just go back and point your attention to, to three places already in the book of Ephesians that are intended. The marriage relationship now. If the wife will submit to her husband as Christ submits to the church, this is what God intends to display. Go back to chapter 1 verse 10. Where God has a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. That God has an intention to bring all things in the world under the unity of Jesus. You see, our world is fragmented. Our world is a mess. Our world is, is looking for something to be able to bring healing and that is the role of Jesus. That the good news of Jesus Christ is that the fragmented nature of this world could be made whole again. That the division in this world could be healed. That when a wife is submitting all, in all things to her husband, that in every, every area of the marriage, the wife says, I will support the leadership of my husband. 
then the good news of the gospel can be put on display that there can be a healing of those things that are divided. There can be a unity in places where there is division. But then look with me now at, at verse 22. Where, chapter 1, verse 22, where it says, And God put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That, that the beauty here of, of submission is, is not in any way that a wife would experience anything less, that a woman would experience anything less in life, but that God's design is that this is a way that a woman might find fullness. That just as the church finds its fullness in Christ, that God has particularly designed the marriage relationship that when a wife is submitting to her husband, that there would be a fullness for her. And then, third, the beauty that we see on display is in chapter 3, verse 10. It says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That when God brought the, the church under Christ, God had an intent to display his wisdom to all of the cosmos, not only to this earth, but to the spiritual powers. That when a wife is in submission to her husband, it's an opportunity for God's wonderful wisdom to be put on display. Can I say, when I take this seriously as a husband, I go, whoa, whoa. My wife committed herself to this. Do you realize what kind of call this places on me as a husband? My ears are perked up. I am need to listen to what it says to me next week, what it says to me in this next section of Ephesians, because this is who I need to be, that my wife would be able to offer her submission to me as this spirit-empowered, free active, loving support of my leadership as an act of worship to God. There was a movie that came out a number of years ago called A Dolphin Tale. And it was a, based on a true story of this dolphin that was born uh, without a tail. And it had managed inexplicably to be able to survive uh, far beyond the, the normal ex, uh, life expectancy of a dolphin in this situation. But it was severely malnourished when it was rescued. And, and there was a, a, a team uh, of scientists and marine biologists that, that worked to create a prosthetic tail for this dolphin. And, and as the, this story went on, the, the, the dolphin actually struggled to, to swim initially with this prosthetic tail. This tail was designed to actually help the dolphin to be able to thrive, to make it to be able to survive out in the wild. But initially, uh, it struggled and, and its abilities actually regressed for a time. Thought, this is a, a, an amazing picture, I think, of, of what it's like to, to come under the instruction of the Word of God, is that, that many people are able to manage for a time with the, the deformities that they enter into this world with, the, the spiritual lack that they have. That there are many marriages that, that survive and, and are able to make it without following the Bible's instructions. 
but they're incredibly malnourished. And there's a time period where when we try to follow the, the Bible's instructions, it, it can be like this, this dolphin struggling with this prosthetic tail, that, that it can be a struggle, and it, at times it feels like again, this, this is uncomfortable. And yet, God has designed it that we might actually thrive in the world he created. See, God is doing something better than fitting us for prosthetic tales. God is in the business of redeeming deformities and bringing new life, making things not just a prosthetic add-on, but in Christ, making all things new. And so my invitation to you this morning, first of all, to you wives and a challenge to you husbands is will you submit yourself to the teaching of, of God's word and let him form in you a newness that is intended that you might thrive in the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to pray this morning for the marriages here at Enid MB. I pray especially for the wives, that you would strengthen them, fill them with your spirit for the calling that you have placed on them, and prepare us as husbands that we might receive the instruction you have for us that the marriages here might demonstrate the beauty of Christ to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand with me. And hear the blessing of God from the book of Numbers, chapter 11, as it says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. You are dismissed.